Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today's featured Actus solution is Imagine 2022 Actus Conference. Imagine the possibilities and join your CDI peers in Orlando May 2nd through 5th, 2022 at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You know, we've we've been going through a lot these past two years. Um, and as we reconnect, in the, hopefully what we think is the closing stages of the pandemic, we all need a little magic in our lives, I think. Reconnection. And we're really pleased to be back in a wonderful location for 2022 at the Gaylord Palms. As you guys might know, we were there in 2019. Beautiful spot. We've got an amazing conference lined up for you with some some great keynote speakers and a couple new tracks of education, a masterclass track. We hope you can join us. If you want to learn more or register, please visit hcmarketplace.com. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, provocatively titled, CDI, Will It Ever Be in Medical School? We're gonna we're gonna maybe find out over the course of the program today. Um, I'm joined today by my outstanding co-host, co-host of many shows with us, Laurie Prescott. Laurie probably doesn't need an introduction at this point, but she is our CDI education director. Oh gosh, she's on many boards and committees, advisory boards, uh, and maybe just as famous as the um, author for our Actus Pocket Guide. I want to welcome you back to the show, Laurie. Thanks, Brian. Glad to have you on. Okay, and now I'm going to introduce our special guest today. We have with us today, today uh, Dr. Devendranath Manuru, and he's given us permission to refer to him as Dev throughout the rest of the program, just to just to make that a little bit easier on Laurie and I. But uh, Dr. Manuru has been a full-time hospital physician at Sanford Fargo in North North Dakota Health since 2013 and last year became a physician advisor for CDI uh, for that Fargo market. After completing his internal medicine residency at Bronx Lebanon Hospital Center, which is an affiliate of Albert Einstein University, he began as a hospitalist at Hartford Hospital, not too far from where I am, where he taught residents during their inpatient rotations. In 2014, he began as a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences and was promoted to clinical associate professor there in 2017. Done a lot with teaching since, um, been core faculty for the internal medicine and transitional year residency program since 2015, statewide internal medicine clerkship director in 2018. Recently completed a one-year global clinical scholars research training program at Harvard Medical School in 2020. Really impressive resume, and I'm, I'm super glad to have him on the show. So welcome to the program, Dev. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Laurie, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you could be on. Thank you. As always, we're going to start with a question related to today's topic. Not surprisingly, here's the question that we're asking you all today. Um, do you believe that CDI concepts should be taught in medical school? And your options are yes, should be par should be a portion of the curriculum. We can't have it be all of the curriculum. We still have to do some medicine as well. Um, maybe you think no, that we should keep that pure medicine only. Don't know, 
not applicable or other, please specify. So again, we're asking you today, do you believe CDI concepts should be taught in medical school? Uh, yes, no, don't know, not applicable or other. I'm gonna give this just one more minute as our responses come in, and then we will come back to these poll results in just a few minutes. So we've got 75% of our audience that has voted, so I'm calling that one done. <laughs> All right, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Devindranath Manuru, or Dev as we're gonna call him, is our special guest today. Uh, Dev, welcome to the program. Um, I thought we could start by having you talk a little bit about your background as a physician, and then ultimately, of course, how your path in medicine converged with CDI. Absolutely, Brian, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, patient-centered care, medical education, quality and safety are key passions in my uh, medical practice. Uh, during residency training, documentation was a task for me to finish for the day and finish training. I lacked a clear understanding on why we had to document so much. As a practicing hospitalist for almost 10 years now, I realized that hospital systems did not entirely accept the documentation that I was providing. There was a gap between my documentation and the expectation of healthcare systems and healthcare agencies. Further, as an educator in undergraduate and graduate medical education segments, I quickly realized that there was a minimal emphasis on the importance of documentation and its impact downstream during medical school training. These gaps actually pushed me to acquire more knowledge around CDI, work towards improving this learning for as many clinicians as possible. The way I see it, Brian, if actual bedside care is considered as one eye of patient care, truthful and meaningful documentation is the other eye that is truly a responsibility of the physician caring for the patient or a clinician, I should say. Uh, that's, uh, you know, what kind of pulled me into getting into the CDI and quality and coding systems. Gotcha. Thank you for that. I know. I love what he's talking about there. So, Deb, we're going to look at that poll shortly, but I suspect there's going to be a little bias. We have a pretty biased group when it comes to documentation and its importance. Um, but, you know, this is something that I get every time I teach. Why is it um, CDI and, and medical reimbursement taught in medical school? So I want to ask you why you think um, it's not formally offered in medical school. Is it, you know, that standard answer I get is there's so much more that they need to learn that this falls lower in priority. But what do you think? Why is it? Why is there that lack of awareness of the importance of CDI and the business side of me medicine being communicated to our med students? That's a good question, Lori. I mean, uh... Medical schools and graduate medical education programs provide education on medical record documentation as it is one of the entrustable professional activities expected to learn and master during training. There is considerable variance in how and what is taught, and it surprises me that clinical documentation integrity, quality, and patient safety are not vital in the medical education curriculum 
when we are actually expected to deliver it on them during our clinical practice right after training. In my opinion, like you uh, nicely specified, limited acceptance and understanding of the importance of CDI and beyond, limited expertise on the subject and the changing rules, not knowing how, what, and when to teach these concepts of CDI during medical school training are probably all the factors. That's my take, Lori. <laughs> I think you got it right. I think you got it right, sir. Yeah. You know, there's, so just for our audience's sake, uh, Dev reached out to Laurie and I about um, about this topic in general and, and was wondering if we could enlist Actus in this effort. Um, you know, we're, we're going to help out as we can. And I've, I've, I know this will be an uphill battle and, you know, Actus is an association for CDI professionals. We're not, we don't have any influence on the bodies that, you know, set up the curriculum in medical school. But it's so, so it, what I'm sure, shortly what I'm saying is this is going to be an uphill battle if we were to get it there. And curious what you think, Dev, what, what would it take for this to happen? And, and, you know, even for myself, not having, having gone to medical school, um, who, who sets the curriculum? What are the players that would have to be approached? And really what, what is the case that would need to be made, you think, um, to get this in, in residency and, 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 and in medical school? You know, um, that's a great question, Brian. And I sincerely thank you and Lori for uh, allowing me to contact you and uh, extend the conversations that we initially started off on and uh, being willing to support the cause. Uh, I think the first step to make is actually to make medical fraternities governing medical education understand and acknowledge the importance and impact of clinical documentation integrity related education and its impact on patients, systems, and public health. I think once medical fraternities governing medical education, I'm putting it out there in a broader sense because medical education is not just medical schools. There can be nurse practitioner, PA schools, there can be you know, uh, physician assistant uh, schools and stuff like that. So accreditation organizations governing these programs must consider making clinical documentation integrity, quality, and patient safety learnings as standards that are to be taught to students. ACDIS, ACP, Visient, and other organizations vested in these works should reach out to these accreditation organizations and request for the change. Subsequently, medical schools and graduate medical education systems should create a longitudinal curriculum using their affiliated hospital CDI physician advisors, CDI coding and quality teams. AGDIS and I think other quality related organizations can assist schools and training programs by providing tools and subject materials relevant to the learners. So I think overall, like I said, making the fraternities that govern these programs understand and acknowledge, and then trying to get a curriculum out there, and then us trying to develop some materials for these schools to actually use and teach, and also do some other sort of maybe guest speaking, workshops and stuff like that. I think that's mm -hmm. what it would take. Mm 
also, you know, po podcasts are often a good way to, to get the word out as well. So we're <laughs> doing our small part today, but this, yeah, this is going to be a big effort. And Yes, you know, 100%. I, yeah. I, I couldn't get to you if it wasn't for the podcast because that's <laughs> where they got to know about you. How about that? Uh, increased awareness. That's the first step. Yep. You know, that, that that's a long journey that you're describing. It's something that can't really happen overnight. But looking at what's presently happening and the fact that you are you are a practicing physician and work as a phys physician advisor, can you help our listeners with what you think is the best way for CDI professionals to teach these concepts and make the process as easy and effective as possible? Um, CDIs struggle with this every day. So any tips or takeaways for um, our listeners um, in the in the office or in the, in the uh, hospital from your perspective about how they can get that those concepts taught to physicians? Absolutely, Gauri. I think in the current situation that we're already in and with this not being a true curriculum expectation or a standard, uh, the first thing we probably should do in our institutions is the marriage of CDI quality and coding departments is critical for comprehensive and successful education on CDI. Because what we're trying to do is basically to reflect the true severity of illness and risk of mortality, and also to provide a appropriate documentation on the quality and safety aspects. So I think this marriage is very important, and a collaborative stepwise approach would get the best results that are necessary. Few tips related to the approach. I've broken it down into what we could do in medical schools, what we could do in residencies and fellowships. I'm not looking to go into the physician section of things because the topic is, will it ever be in medical schools? Uh, what I have tried to do after I took this role is, uh, as a CDI physician, I've tried to meet with the preclinical physician staff and team members. Uh, these are physicians who teach how to write notes during year one and year two, or if it's a, uh, you know, sort of a phase one, phase two, phase three curriculum style of medical school in the phase one side of things, and try to combine the teachings of what they're giving and what is actually going to be expected when students come onto the floors. So I think that's the first step we should uh, target so that there's not a disconnect in what they're getting taught in their first and second years. And then once they get into the clinical practice and they're ready to write notes as medical students, then it's a big deviation, you know. And then there is also opportunity during those times to kind of clarify what's a principal diagnosis, what's a secondary diagnosis, uh, you know, how do these get into this place, what's clear, consistent, precise, non-conflicting. Things like that are not really taught. It's more about, okay, what should we write in a note? Okay, how do we tell a HPI? But the business side of things, I I would say, you know, the, the things that matter for quality and safety are not put together at that time. Mm -hmm. The second piece, CDI physicians and teams should try to pursue boot camps for undergraduate medical education students just before entering clinical rotations. Uh, and then provide them with basic documentation 
templates that are similar to their hospital documentation templates. They can also provide card buddies focusing on the content rather than ENM, you know, oh, you have to have 10 review. People are so focused on 10 reviews and, you know, eight system exams, but they fail to understand that that's, that's only a part of the requirement. The main thing is way different. And so does the same approach uh, would be beneficial for residents and uh, uh, fellows. I think that's the way we should take it forward. I, I love that. I'm just. I love the fact that you said, you know, bring it away from the E&M focus because that's what I find working with new physicians, is they see documentation as supporting their E&M and their profi. They don't necessarily understand the diagnosis capture, and that's because that education is being provided for them. Um, so they come with that focus, not necessarily the focus that we speak to um, consistently in CDI. So. That made me happy, Deb. Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, I agree. Is that what's being taught right now? Is it is it E&M documentation? Is it like the SOAP note or is it the progress progress notes? What 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 is actually being taught right now? I'm looking through. We got some good comments coming in, which I might try to incorporate a little bit. Yeah, Brian. I you know from what I can tell, I think you know students are taught like okay, you have to have a chief complaint, you have to have a history of presenting illness, you have to have review of systems, you have to have physical examination, you have to uh, you know uh, maybe interpret the labs and describe them, and then we have to have a problem list, things like that. But I think there's not much discussion around you shouldn't have uh, conflicting documentation. Mm. Uh, there's no discussion around you should be very specific on acute on chronics or there's no education around you have to set in your mind what's a principal diagnosis you know they'll list out 10 problems and they'll start writing the assessments and plans for all the 10 problems but when you go back and ask them okay what's the principal problem nobody uh, mm -hmm. i mean I, I shouldn't say nobody a uh, fair number of uh, the learners won't have a clue on what is a principal diagnosis. Everything is important. That's how they get uh, thinking. Uh, I think that education is a big gap. Absolutely. All right. And uh, also, you know, the query processes present on admission indicators. Uh, nobody's really taught about these things during uh, mm -hmm. medical education. Yeah. I know we we got a, we got some really good comments here, and someone mentions that um, Karen writes, our manager of CDI teaches each new hospitalist about CDI as part of their onboarding process, and many say they've never heard of such things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Someone mentioned that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No. Go ahead, Brian. Thank you. Another comment. I feel the CDI could possibly integrate with ethics training. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, we have yeah, a disagreement. I, Someone says that I have to disagree to have CDS curriculum in medical school. My son's currently in med school. They're so crammed with topics. I cannot see it would be beneficial, possibly in the area of H&P development and a repeating module could be added in while the med students learning to write the H&P. That might be helpful. Um, so mm -hmm. some slight disagreement and it, there. And it, it needs to be a longitudinal curriculum. We yes. cannot teach any everything in one go in one year. Uh, we have to take baby steps. First is we 
tie the preclinical teachings on how to write notes with our CDI folks and give them the right guidance. Then the next step will be like, okay, we're going to talk about what's a principal diagnosis. Then we go to CCs, MCCs, PSIs, POEs, query processes once they get into residency. So it's sort of a, like a longitudinal, but you have to get those words out in their mind so that it doesn't mm -hmm. come as a cultural shock when they graduate, you know? Mm -hmm. Small bites at a time. Yeah, another comment here. Not sure if this would be allowed at schools, but just a suggestion, start out smaller by focusing on maybe offering to be a guest speaker at student organizations and medical nursing PA schools, which would allow faculty advisors to become champions for the concept and make some impact without waiting for a curriculum change. That's an interesting yeah. idea there. And our school, University of North Dakota, and Sanford Leadership in Fargo have been kind because they have allowed me to do all of these. So I have recently done, I've actually been teaching documentation for the clerkship students for a long time, but I've actually gotten into the preclinical side of things this year. We did a four hour boot camp on documentation for the preclinical students who are actually coming into clerkships in February. And then my plan is to add on to that learning during their internal medicine clerkships about quality and safety and in addition, we actually capture all the residents that step into our facilities in Fargo at the start and give another boot camp, and then we kind of follow up with them and leave my number and our CDI team number and stuff like that. That's a good approach. Yeah. Here's a here's, here's one more tough one for you, Dev. Someone says, when when will they stop teaching obsolete diagnoses in schools, such as urosepsis or that bacteria <laughs> medical sepsis? Can you, can, can you help us out with that one as well? Good question. So, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately, ICD-10 or, you know, uh, our uh, CPT codes, they're not really taught in med school. So medical language is a lot different than the CDI encoding language. Uh, physicians, when they look at something, oh, it's urine, oh, infection, oh, sepsis, urosepsis, but they don't realize that it's not a code. So I think that's a gap too. Yeah. All right. Well, really good stuff here. Um, tons of comments and, and uh, suggestions, Deb, which I will share with you after the program. You know, we, we did say, uh, and you, you agreed to this, but um, that you would be willing to share your email address. So instead of me, um, you know, dictating this long email address over the audio here, I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you're interested in reaching out to Dev after the program, you've likely heard today, maybe have some suggestions, maybe want to be part of this effort. Um, I'm going to put his email address in the show notes, which again, you can find in your on actus.org and the resources and podcast or, or in your podcast feed. But any final thoughts on this topic, Deb, before we move on to our final uh, show elements here? Yes, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to start up by saying, you know, physicians and clinicians do not receive appropriate education on CDI coding quality aspects to make them successful after medical school training. Lack of meaningful education is actually causing a lot of physician-clinician dissatisfaction, misinterpretation of these departments' efforts. It predisposes physicians to fatigue and burnout 
from the expectations set by CDI coding quality and healthcare systems. This lack of understanding and partnership between physicians and departments leads to inaccurate capture of risk of mortality, severity of illness, unwanted PSI captures. It can even prove detrimental to patients, systems, and society. I, I'd like to conclude that we, as medical fraternities, CDI organizations, coding quality organizations, we all have to put every possible effort into educating, offering tools and materials around documentation integrity during medical schools, residencies, and fellowships. I want to emphasize materials that are relevant to medical schools, residents, and fellowships. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that's what I want to close with, Brian. All right. I love the message and uh, really important topic. And maybe we'll maybe this is the first step uh, on, a, on a long path here of the podcast and raising awareness and I know you've got some great material developing and, and really appreciate sharing your thoughts with our with our guests today, with our audience today, Dev. Thank you, thank you. Let's take a look at our poll results. Probably not surprising here, uh, overwhelmingly um, in favor, but we did ask folks um, whether they believe CDI concepts should be taught in medical school and 92% said yes, should be a portion of the curriculum. 3% said no, 3% don't know, and again, we, we did get a lot of comments um but any thoughts here on the poll results anything surprise you here the the overwhelming number does that surprise you dev <laughs> uh right no actually you know i mean i think uh, you know i listen to a lot of your podcasts uh i think this result is probably one of the highest poll results uh you know, <laughs> if i may say i agree it's hard to get consensus on anything but i think we've got it here <laughs> Pretty um, close. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 90 cool. plus is a big number. And I think, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be a separate curriculum, but what is being actually taught needs to get tied to all of these expectations so that it's more meaningful. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. They have to understand the purpose. Yeah, without the purpose, every time I go to a physician after, you know, a CDI question comes up, it's like, it's, I know, it's all because of money. Well, it's not about money, you know. It's about doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Love the message there. All right. We're going to just do a quick in the news update today. Uh, this is an article that appeared on Med City News that caught my eye. It's titled, A New Coalition Aims to Accelerate Responsible AI Innovation to Transform Healthcare. I like the word responsible there. Um, it's an interesting article. I've, again, we're getting close to time here as I don't have time to go through it all, but I, as with Deb's email address, I will include the link in the show notes here. Uh, but in short, there is a group of U.S. health, educational, and research organizations coming together uh, to create a group aimed at accelerating AI or artificial intelligence innovation and adoption in healthcare. This was announced uh, by Microsoft. It's obviously a big player in the space as well, to say the least. Um, this will leverage collective brain power. The list of names is pretty impressive. We've got Cleveland Clinic, Duke Health, Intermountain, who we've had on the program before. Uh, Microsoft, Novant Health, who we've had on the podcast before. Um, other folks, UC San Diego, that are, are coming together to um, essentially create 
it's it's a little bit we were talking about this before the show it's it's not there aren't a lot of specifics in this article but what they're looking to do it seems is implement ai responsive responsibly um, speeding research reducing physician burnout and, and other admirable goals when it comes to the adoption of ai so um, it does say they're honing in on some core goals these include showcasing new ai innovations gathering industry-specific information on how AI is used, developing best practices for responsible AI implementation, which I like, um, and preparing students for careers in AI and data science. We've talked a lot about that on this program, the, the, um, having informaticists and folks very familiar with, with data interpretation becoming more important in CDI. I like the fact that this is a group that is diverse. Uh, we have, you know, Microsoft in there. We have we have the end users in there, and it will be interesting to see what comes out of this. It says they're also seeking to resolve significant economic and industrial challenges. Maybe look at interoperability, um, improve people's digital skills and employability, and, and transform the workface workforce in a way that reduces clinical fatigue. I wanted to ask you, Dev, what you thought of this, and you know, I'm, I'm not even sure whether you currently use. Um, an AI product, either in a CDI-facing manner, or maybe you, you know those kind of the clinical alerts you might get, and and sort of what's your take on them, and maybe what you think this group might be trying to help with. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brian. I think you know AI platforms are promising. Uh, they help systems capture more patient charts depending on how the technologies are deployed. They can provide nudges, real-time supporting data elements, clinical guidance to clinicians, uh, can help with safety, great ways to keep a standardized and sustained CDI work. Indirectly, they could also promote education. Sanford Enterprise uh, currently has some AI technologies in place for the CDI group. We're actually looking to obtaining a physician-clinician AI platform as well. I'm optimistic that this will have a measurable impact on our CDI coding and quality efforts. AI query processes, feedback from CDI teams, physician advisors, they all help sustain and enhance the work. Not all organizations might be able to afford the investment of AI technologies. My personal bias is an equal investment in students, residents, newly hired clinicians, existing yeah. clinicians on education, can bring the right culture and understanding of the work. In turn, it could actually magnify even the AI platform works. Yeah. Yeah, good comments. Always bringing it back to education, which I agree with. Um, you know, as you guys might know, we we recently, Actus recently collaborated with AHIMA on a new paper on um, compliant use of CDI technology and did an uh, associated webinar. We're actually meeting again to talk about comments we received on that paper so a uh, big topic for us now and glad to see it's getting much uh, bigger response throughout the industry absolutely yeah quick wrap up here if you guys have not seen we are currently have a call for poster presenters and award app, app uh, act our actus achievement awards applications this is open we extended the deadline to February 11th, so there's still time. If you do want to present a poster at the conference, we're bringing back the poster session, um, or you have a wonderful colleague, peer, maybe physician advisor such as Dev, who you want to nominate for one of our awards, we've got um, you know a, a 
a list of awards that include things like recognition of professional achievement, rookie of the year, of course, our new diversity in CDI award. This, I will include the link to the um, poster and awards apl uh, application here, but it does have more information about each of these awards and some of the criteria that go into them. So hope you will consider that. Posters are a great way in particular if you're you thought about presenting but don't want to make the full leap to the podium, uh, this is a nice way to break in with the poster session. Excited to have this back at the conference this year. All right, that is going to do it for today's um, edition of the Actus podcast. Again, I want to thank Dev for coming on today. We're going to be back here again in two weeks. Slight day change. We're going to be back here on Tuesday, February 15th, delving into a clinical topic, coagulopathy. A multidisciplinary concern will be the topic. Um, if you liked today's show, have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, please do send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. For everyone else, we'll see you back here again in two weeks. Take care, everyone.